if you're writing about something and recommending something and it's not it's not genuine, I think people see through that. I hope so. <laughs> More often than not that they they can uh they they can kind of see through that and that it's not it's not keeping their interests in mind. I don't think anyone should just rely on their one job at their career and it, and if that job is making them work 60 plus hours a week, there there's a problem there because they're they're so tied to that job and they don't have any spare time then do something else on the side. I, I agree that there's some people that can't, but there's people that just want their me time. They want to they want to sit in front of the TV all evening and, and watch TV and, and hang out with their spouse, and that's that's totally fine. But if you're also complaining that you never have money and you can't do anything, then you, you have to kind of make that decision of maybe I should be doing something to to earn a little money on the side, just trying things out, experimenting a little. There's There's so many options to make money now. This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. Tom Drake is known as the godfather of Canadian personal finance bloggers. In fact, Tom just hit his 10-year blogging anniversary this month in February 2019. Originally Canadian finance blog, Tom rebranded to Maple Money and now even has a podcast called The Maple Money Show. I was on as a guest in November 2018. Tom has created thousands of personal finance posts over the years, and he did it all while working a full-time job during the week at a company that he started with 18 years ago and still works at today. If you listen to the show, you've heard me talk about FinCon, North America's largest personal finance conference. I did episode 51 live from FinCon 2018 in Orlando. Well, Tom has been to every single FinCon since 2011, and I'm sure I will see him again this year in Washington, D.C. Tom joined me from Calgary, Alberta to tell his personal finance story. My first money memory or maybe money mistake was uh, back in college. I, I was signing up for the credit cards you can get at college where it's the one that sort of has your, your college on the card and it doesn't offer you anything. I don't even think I got a t-shirt with it. I literally just signed up for it. But it has the college on the card. That's fancy. Yeah, well, I thought it was the one I was supposed to get and it was my <laughs> first credit card. I barely had a job. I think I had a part-time job at the time. So you got a credit card and were you already... Uh like in debt for school or was that already covered? Yeah, I had a, a student loan. It wasn't a big one. I went to uh, the, the local college. Um, I, I think by the end of my, my two years there, I think my, my total student loans were maybe $10,000. It wasn't wasn't this this crippling debt by any means. Um, now, the, the mistake I made there as well, speaking of college mistakes, is uh, a larger portion of my student loan than should have went to things like a car stereo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sure. I, I got the textbooks as well. But uh, <laughs> but there was some left over. Well, it felt like free money. I, I went from, I, d- I never had a job at all in high school. So I never sort of learned how to actually earn money, not just have it handed to me as, as an allowance or something like that. So your parents would just, if you needed something, they would just, you'd be just like, can I have some money? Yeah, they never really wanted me to sort of be without. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not that it was That's cool, endless yeah. money, but, but uh, I, I certainly was able to, to ask for things. And if it made sense, I, I'd get it. So it felt nice as a kid, but I think it... it made me very unprepared come college. Yeah. So you wanted this stereo for your car and you just went and got it because you had what available credit. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, yeah, I think, I think that first year, that first payment, at least for, for, for my student loan, I think it was two or $3,000. So I bought my textbooks, had all this extra money sitting in the bank and, uh, uh, wanted to get at least part of a car stereo. I've always, I always had car stereo stuff in, in high school, but, uh, so, some new upgrade. I don't even remember what it was at the time. Like you could have waited or you didn't really think about the impact that putting this on credit would have for you. For sure. Well, and it, it didn't even feel like it was going on credit there because it was it was coming out of my bank account. It was this magical student loan. That From just, the uh, loan. Yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Racking up the credit card came next. Uh, <laughs> once, yeah. once I realized I still needed to do things like eat, pay rent. So there was no budgeting, anything like that. It was just like... 
go out into the world, Tom, and <laughs> make your mistakes. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, all my all my mistakes were pretty much in in college, and maybe the couple of years after that. I just didn't really have much experience with money before college, and I made my mistakes then. It did cause me to sort of miss probably a good decade that I probably could have been doing things like saving up and investing because I, I had to kind of get money figured out and also pay off the, this debt that I was starting to accumulate. I never had a massive debt. I don't have this huge debt payoff story, but uh, it was always kind of a revolving debt. Use a credit line, pay it off, use it, pay it off. Yeah. So you're buying things that you didn't necessarily need. Was that the main source of continuous debt? Oh, for sure. I had still have a need to get rid of um, <laughs> a very large collection of uh, CDs and video games. Okay. Yeah. And at the time, even VHS tapes and DVDs. <laughs> Do you still have the VHS tapes? No, I was able to sell those. Okay. I think I sold all of them. <laughs> uh, it was probably like 200 of them, probably for $200 and, and the stands that they were included on. <laughs> so, uh, wow. But I still have I still have the CDs and I still have most of the video games, which I've been trying to sell. So not only was this a, a spending problem in college, but it's kind of a like a hoarding problem I still have. I, I, it's not that I want to, so at least I've passed that point. Yeah. But um, I, now I'm just sort of stuck with it where it's like I got to try to figure out how to get rid of it, how to still get some value for it. I don't want to just completely decide to just give it all away. So some of it might still have value, but uh, I think things like CDs probably don't anymore. That's tough. I, I've tried to sell those uh, and yeah, you get like nothing for them. It's almost like just getting someone to take them is the only thing that you you can get these days. Yeah, and it, it might come down to that, or I at least find out anything that might have value and, and select those out. But um, otherwise, yeah, like I, I don't need to use half my garage to store stuff exactly. that I bought 20 years ago. Well, and at least you're not, you know, you don't have to rent a storage space or anything, and it's not costing you money, but I guess it, you could use that space for other things. Yeah, I could use the space. If there was a little extra money, I'd, I'll always say yes to. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a real problem. And, and speaking of storage, like I know people that were in similar situations as me, spent a lot early on and literally just pay to store stuff. And, and uh, thankfully I'm not in that position because I just don't understand that. Like, yeah, <laughs> pay to store is expense. probably the worst thing. It's pay to store things you don't need or use. Yeah, if it, if it can sit in a box for a year and you're paying for that in storage, it's like, why are you even paying for that then? Like, just get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, now, I'm sure you've written about this at times. Is there, like, should we should we be purging or, or looking at our stuff, like, annually? What What's the, is there a rule of thumb there? Annually is probably a pretty good guess, actually. That It's at least what I've been doing. Um, it was about a year ago that I sold some of my video games, and thankfully some of them actually are considered collector's items. There's a lot of retro gamers and everything out there. I was able to sell about a quarter of my video games and got over $2,000 for that. Wow. Just through a, a local Facebook group dedicated to video games. So so I was certainly hitting the right audience of people to, <laughs> to buy these games. Well, at least you didn't have to throw them in the garbage or anything. That's pretty good. Well, exactly. And now coming up another year, I, I really want to circle back and do that again uh just kind of reposted in the group the the reduced list of games and at some point my plan is speaking of just having to get rid of it at some point the, sort of the third step will be posting it as a as a bundle uh per yeah. system so say say i have a nintendo and 80 games and i sell 50 more of them it's like at the end i'm just gonna give up and say nintendo with 30 games yeah, <laughs> and, and exactly. try to get it rid of it that way just get, yeah get rid of them all it just comes with right you're not bu buying any specific games so let's go back to university then. What did you uh, What did you take? Marketing through a business administration program. Okay, so you took a marketing. Uh, so you have like a would that uh, be diploma. Diploma. It was just a two year college. Okay, two year college, and so you have a little bit of student loan debt. You have this credit card debt. You're able to mm -hmm. get a job when you get out of college. Yeah, that was actually interesting. I think at the beginning of college, I was I was working at a gas station, and then and then I was making subs. <laughs> and uh, okay, yeah, Subway. Yep. Yeah, I was a sandwich artist. Sandwich uh, artist. Technically, nice. technically, that was my last job to my current one because I've been at my current job for over eighteen years now. So wow. when I left college, I 
couldn't find a job right away. Obviously, I was looking for something in marketing. I thought I'd be some kind of sales rep or something like that. Sure. But I couldn't find anything. So I actually moved back in with my parents for planned to be six months. Might have ended up being a full year. But I moved in with them and I, I got a job at the, the local grocery store. That actually led to me working my way up into the office and everything. And so, so I sort of accidentally became a uh, a finance guy for, for a big corporation over the last uh, 18 plus years. Wait, so you, because we won't say the name of the grocery store, is that is that We can, I don't mind. Oh, I don't, it, yeah, we don't have to advertise it, I guess you're right. It's one of the big okay. ones in Canada. And <laughs> you were, so you were working there in the store and then you went into corporate. I didn't know that. Yeah, when uh, wow. when I was I was just looking for any job, really. Yeah. Like when I <laughs> when I applied at this store, I would have begged groceries. I, I didn't have rent because I was with my parents. I just needed to get reset because I couldn't find a job and I needed yeah. to pay off this debt. Sure. Um. So I, I would have taken anything, but when, when they saw me come in with a, a new diploma, and this was a small town outside of the city, it, it was something where they they, they said. Oh well, we'll have you cash sometimes, but we want you to work in the office, we, like in the store's office. Uh, okay, sort of doing some of the so admin within tasks. the store, yeah. So you're able to do that. Uh, so you're doing like admin stuff to start, or yeah, yeah, things like different reports and and changing prices on in, through the computer there and everything. Occasionally, I was out on the floor though, if if they needed an extra cashier or open and close the store sometimes. But the person that had worked there, I think he worked there for thirty years or something in that store. Uh, he was just about to retire, so <laughs> the, the timing worked out. It was it was a bit of luck, and just just how things happen sometimes with careers, especially. Wow! And and then eventually you moved into the corporate office. Yeah. So being in a being in a small town with the district manager, knowing that I wanted to go back to Edmonton at the time, an- another store was opening up in Edmonton, and we knew the one in this little town might not last due to competition. Oh, really? And okay. Again, a bit of luck and timing. Uh, he came to me and said, well, do you want to move over to this other store? I didn't get any sweet deal like we'll pay your move or anything like that, unfortunately. But <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was just great timing. I moved over to that store. And towards the end of that, less than a year again, I was really getting tired of a retail job. Like I said, sure. having to go out and cash and stuff. It was very distracting when you're mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to yeah, yeah. finish a report that someone's balance, waiting for. Uh, balance some numbers here. Again, just as another form of perfect timing. I was literally thinking during the summer... I need to quit this job and get back to what I was supposed to do. I didn't get my diploma to work in a store, basically. And as soon as I came back from my uh, maybe one-week vacation, the new district manager in, in that area said, uh, well, we've got this spot opening up uh, at our head office in, in Western Canada that, that we want you to, to apply for. And I applied for that, got in, and, and after that, really my jobs almost looked the same the whole time. Just wow. Various levels of change for sure, but yeah, it, it's always been sort of reporting and budgeting for, for corporate finance. Yeah, so th- and that's so from that point on, how many years was it in the corporate office? Probably two thousand three, maybe two thousand two. Most of my career has truly been in the office, but it yeah. it, it likely never would have happened if uh, if I didn't just have a couple lucky breaks in timing. Uh, start starting off in a store three hours out of the city. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because we hear about like you know work your way up to management and then you actually did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a people it's, don't. It's, it wasn't it's your a weird plan, path. but uh, but uh, it it was what worked out. But this still, you through you were thinking more marketing when you when you started and not uh, exactly not like, finance. Thankfully, there's there's certainly finance classes and everything as part of this business administration program. Yeah. Um, but, but I was, I was specializing in marketing and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Not truly, but <laughs> out of, out of the four options within business administration, that sounded the, the most, uh, interesting it's, it doesn't sound as boring as accounting or finance or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So accounting is what I picked. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a that, similar option. I, I have a four, a four year general business degree and yeah, yeah. you got to pick your, your stream as you go into the what third or fourth year, right? Oh, for you, yeah, it was uh, you know second year. Second year, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing is, accounting sounded terrible to me. And oh, I, it I, does I, to most people, yeah. And I wasn't even good at the classes, honestly. Like uh, <laughs> back when you had to do balance sheets, 
yeah. on a on a piece of paper, like, like and, and ledgers and all that. I don't think that's even a real thing now. <laughs> I don't know if they still teach that, but ledgers uh, not so much. Everything's sort of behind the scenes in the computer now, but exactly. Yeah, like but, I, I had to learn it that way, and that was terrible. <laughs> it does help, I'll tell you that, because and I learned that stuff in grade eleven and uh, and OAC accounting. That was very uh, very helpful to understand. Like, what is this whole thing? What's the purpose of this, and why? Why is it all so complicated? And and so it's it's good to understand that, right? But I guess yeah. you settled into finance, and during this time, then you're still kind of erratic with your with your spending you're just trying to live your life and not really thinking about personal finance yet early on in there yeah but it it probably took me till i think 2008 maybe even 2007 but likely early 2008 to to really start thinking about what am i doing with my money i was getting ready to get married Mm -hmm. or to propose at this point uh that would be new year's eve 2007 going into 2008 okay oh um, is when i proposed yeah (laughs) and uh i I wanted to do it for christmas but the the ring wasn't ready in time (laughs) oh wow Um, okay and and i wasn't gonna wait another year (laughs) that's Uh, (laughs) you gotta wait oh i missed my window the whole year exactly It, it was around then where where i kind of realized like it's probably time to be an adult <laughs> and start sort of <laughs> that, reading up on, on all this. Yeah, good motivation. Now, were you looking online or reading personal finance books? I think the very first thing, and I actually kept it, I, I think the very first thing I did is is one summer, probably the summer of 2007, actually. I'd, I could probably look at the issue, but I, I picked up an issue of Money Sense magazine Yeah, just before we were heading out to camp. Okay. And uh, I, I was reading it and I just devoured the whole thing with all these great new ideas that I didn't even know about uh, just in one issue. <laughs> from there, literally as soon as I got back from from camping, I was like, I, I need to, to do more of this. So I, I've, I found a, a couple personal finance blogs, got some library books, and and it was on from there. I just, I just kept spending a, a good solid year of just devouring all this and, and kind of forming my own ideas about how this all fits together. Mm-hmm. Are we are we talking about like RRSP and TF? Uh, no, don't TFSA yet. Uh, yeah, no TFSA quite yet. Were they talking about mutual funds and investing your money versus saving and that kind of thing? Yeah, for sure, all of it. The idea of RRSPs, I don't, I don't know if I had one. I might have oh, had yeah, one, okay. but I didn't really know what was in it. Not I, I through the grocery some, store. E- even on my own, I think I got some mutual funds uh, at that time, but they weren't they weren't good. I thought I knew what I was doing because I. I picked them thinking, well, I'm a financial analyst. I, I can figure this out. You looked and, at the graph, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically I picked them based on past history, which isn't really the, the ultimate uh, way to no. <laughs> predict and, future returns. And I'm sure fees didn't jump out as a problem yet, did they? No, I don't think I was even looking at fees. I, I think I was looking at the return of, of that uh, mutual fund. Sure. And, uh, the huge fees weren't in there. We didn't know about fees at that time. Another thing I read that was huge for me that got me out of that mutual fund is um, I read the little book of Common Sense Investing, and it was very heavily uh, based on, on index investing. So it really explained how index funds work, how ETFs work. That really changed things for me, where it's caught on that being average <laughs> as, as an index yeah. is actually better because you, you're, you're not sort of getting this, this personal act of trading going on, but even all things being equal, you're, you're paying less fees. So you're paying less fees. You, you get average over time is, is better because you don't have the high, high risk and the, the risk of going up and down in these huge swings. Go for the ride and be the whole market. Like a, You could buy a bunch of these active mutual funds by different sectors and everything, trying to, trying to basically recreate the entire market because you want to be diversified. Or you can just buy a really big uh, index fund or ETF that covers the entire market. And and it's it's simpler. You pay less fees, and in the end, you're, you're almost certain to to come out ahead because uh, most mutual funds will underperform the index due to fees, if nothing else. Even even just yeah. someone that's just sticking along and and giving you average returns, they're, they're going to lose on the fees. They're all trying to do the same thing, basically. I mean, I guess the active funds are trying to do better than the market. But even if they do, the fees are going to bring us back down to the average, aren't they? Exactly. And on the whole, all those mutual funds are the average. Like They're, they're so huge. Hmm. Uh, a mutual fund obviously holds more investments than you and I do. Yeah, so, good point. so 
in the end, a good portion of the market is tied up in these mutual funds. So other than just lucky picks, <laughs> you can try to find good mutual fund managers and all that. But you're right. It's just guessing. Kind of, because even the best mutual fund manager can't always foresee that a certain company is going to suddenly tank the next quarter. Um, he can try to. He can He can get different signals and everything else. But in the end, it's it's really not under their control. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can get lucky with if you happen to have a Warren Buffett as your, your finance manager <laughs> or your, your fund manager, because even he would say every single time that he'd like, you know, outperform the market in a year by like 20 percent, he would say, I'm never, ever going to do this again. It's never it's not predictable. Don't think yeah. this is ever going to happen. We got lucky this year. Like yeah, he would exactly. say that to his to his uh, to shareholders, and that's important. So anyone, like I mean that that should be a red flag, right? If anybody boasts like we got these returns, so we can get more returns. If Warren Buffett couldn't even do that, how can any mutual fund manager claim that? Yeah, and I, I've heard similar things with um, lately. Robo advisors have been mm. growing in popularity, and. I, I've had people come to me and ask me, they're like, well, which one gets the best return? Wow. And, oh, and yeah. certainly there's, there's, if you look backwards, yes, you'll, you'll see different returns between different robo-advisors, but it's not really the point because they're, they're trying to track the index as close as they can. Uh, there, there is no interference there. Sometimes it's just slight tracking errors that might give you a better return than the other or a slight difference in the overall portfolio that they put together. But ultimately, when you're looking at something like robo-advisors or ETFs, it's more about focusing on the fees because that's something you can control. You can say this fee is 1%, 1 1.5%, maybe even 2% lower than a mutual fund. That's a that's a sure thing. That's something that I know <laughs> is, is better. And then the, the results are the results. You, you, can, you can only do so much about how those actually turn out in the future. Yeah, when, when I'm in a Facebook group and somebody asks a question like, or they just make a comment like, oh, you know, I've had my money with certain robo-advisor, but I'm not really happy with the performance. I think I might move to another one. or two. And I'm just thinking, you, you're not really understanding the, the whole point here. It's not like the market is what is, is uh, moving. It's not yeah. the robo-advisor or it's not anybody's fault. Shifting won't matter. Yeah, all, all things being equal, yeah. those robo-advisors should be pretty similar. Like I said, though, a, a little difference in which has the more aggressive portfolio or something can, can make a difference. Um, sure. I mean, they if don't you, have the yeah, exact same portfolio. But it also has more mix. risk, right? Yeah. In any robo-advisor, you can kind of choose different portfolios. But uh, mm. you're right. The, the idea that they're going after a return isn't really the point. <laughs> it's, it's sort of just, just long-term. You're following the market. That's, mm -hmm. that's been proven to, to beat out almost everything in the long run. And long run meaning more than 10 years. <laughs> so you, you put the money away and, and you basically don't look at it. I don't. I, I don't look at most of my investments. Yeah, we really shouldn't. Because if you look at it on a, even a monthly basis, you are going to be disappointed. If you have any expectations of a short-term gains and then if you do see gains you'll be like oh i'm doing great and that's that's just no way to to measure what's happening it's it's measured in in fives or tens of years not mm -hmm. not single years or months right yeah and i've seen similar things with right now everybody's all into to cannabis stocks and it's yeah. like, well, by the time by the time you're talking about it it's too late so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of already done and and before that it was was bitcoin which i can't really even call it an investment. It's it's more like gambling, <laughs> I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've written a couple of posts about that for sure. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So it's 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 always sort of this next thing. Like I, I would I I buy I do buy some stocks. I'll buy Canadian dividend stocks because uh, Safe I'm stocks. buying them to hold them and and just not have even that 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 slight ETF fee. I I just want to hold big dividend stocks. I would never though invest in like technology stocks because I, I just couldn't follow it uh, how many years ago i would have invested in things that don't even exist now <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. these technology companies come and go you know we only know this because we've spent some time you know analyzing this whole concept right of the the risk you're willing to take and the knowledge that you have to have in order to actually make wise decisions in in these specific securities so you're starting you get money sense magazine you're you're eating all this stuff up 
And do you think in your head, I want to write about this someday? I want to have my own blog? Are you thinking that yet? So after Money Sense Magazine and a few library books, I started getting into to blogs. I, I think the first blog I probably read was Million Dollar Journey. Okay. I, I remember there were, there were six blogs I was reading. The other five basically don't exist anymore. <laughs> so, really? so Million Dollar Journey is the survivor. Wow. Is, um, it, is it one of the, the longest running uh, personal finance blogs? It's up there for sure. So many have come and gone. So, so by attrition, well, yeah. even with me, by attrition, it, it, I look like I was one of the early ones, but uh, <laughs> there are certainly blogs before me. That's right. But you stayed and, and survived. Blogging is a, a tough game, but so Million Dollar Journey was, was the big one. There were some other ones, but I didn't know about the huge world of blogging in general, about all these blogs down in the US and everything. I just had my small little ecosystem of, mm-hmm. of six personal finance blogs that I would read and I would comment <laughs> on and stuff. Just like the stuff I was reading in print, it kind of started to all form in my head. And it's like, once you start to get this stuff, you, you kind of come up with your own version of it. Like you, you, you read one thing and then you read another thing and, and you kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle or something. Uh, so so I thought I could add a voice there that, that was different than the six I knew of. Uh, and um, at first starting a blog, it was literally like your traditional blog. It was just to get my ideas down. It was a bit of a hobby. It wasn't even uh, how many people are going to read this. <laughs> it was yeah. at least like, look, I'm online. I can read my ideas there. Just kind of crafting, because like, nobody really spoke specifically in your language. And so you're kind of just re like reiterating all this stuff in a language that made more sense to you. Kind of, yeah. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't reinventing the wheel. I was just sort of <laughs> t- taking my own, my own take on things. It, almost like a form of online note taking, if, if if nothing else. I, I didn't know if anyone else would read or not. Yeah, and that, uh, so what year is this? Uh, two thousand nine. Just about to hit uh, ten years in February. Oh wow! And and what? So what did you did you have a name at the time, or was it just Tom's? blog or was it on blogger uh, where, where did you no start? no it was it was wordpress one okay, of the sort of earlier versions of wordpress site. i think wordpress is now 15 years old wow um, the site was canadian finance blog at the time actually for a brief moment it was the canadian finance blog this almost sounds like the the facebook, the facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um but but I, I i caught on quickly that why did I call it the Canadian Finance Blog? Because my domain was canadianfinanceblog.com. Yeah. So, so I, I quickly dropped off the... Another odd naming mistake I made early on was um, back then, almost every blogger was anonymous. And so I thought I had to be anonymous. So, yeah. so I, I, I just went with the username Canadian Finance because I didn't think you could put your name on there. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then I quickly caught on like, what? Well, why am I being anonymous? And, and I, I dropped that as well. I think I went to Tom for a while and then I just went full on Tom Drake. Now you're just writing, uh, like what? Do you have any schedule? You're writing on a whenever it hits you, whenever you want. I tried to keep to a pretty solid schedule of four posts a week. Wow, uh, they, really? They were, that early? They, they weren't always great posts, though. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a lot mm. of uh, 200, 300 word things because again, it was just me kind of getting ideas out there. They weren't always these these fully fleshed how to kind of resources. They were. They were quick little ideas of maybe how to save money on your electricity bill or sure. something like that. It was it was it was never um, these these big massive reader friendly uh, <laughs> posts that, that that I try to do now. Back then it was it was yeah I, I think I think three hundred words is probably a normal post for me, and it, it was really just trying to 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 get these ideas down. And I, I said I didn't want or I didn't expect readers, but I did want to share these things like. My first post, which doesn't even exist now because I've, I've cleaned out a bunch of the, the old, oh, really? not so okay. useful stuff. Um, my first post was literally just about Money Sense magazine. It was, <laughs> it was just... Uh, like how Money Sense uh, is great and everybody should yeah, read it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read this <laughs> magazine. I think it's great. Uh, you, you can learn all these these tips. Like it was it was literally just me sharing these things that, that kind of opened my eyes. And, and obviously it took me at least a decade too long to catch on hmm. um so so if 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 someone reads that even though it's not much of a post if someone reads that and they, they can go say oh i'm at the time i'm gonna go buy the magazine then then that can that could make a big difference maybe it did i don't know but uh it's uh it, it was just like the, the stuff i wanted to share with people that that i found just amazingly eye-opening and i, I didn't seem to have a clue about two years before that 
Yeah, I, I guess that's what we all hope in, in a way, right? I mean, we're right as as bloggers, we're writing our story, we're writing our take on things, but we also want to help people uh, who might just be looking for that one uh, push in the right direction, and you don't know where that's going to come from. But yeah. even if you just like we, you know, it's a it's a kind of a cliche line, but even if I just help one one person, right? It's all worth it. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I recently had you on my podcast mm-hmm. talking about your story. Thank I thought, you for that. I, 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 I literally that. thought if, if, if just one person that has any kind of gambling or any other addiction listens to that episode and, and is able to turn something around, then I, I think that was probably worth half an hour of our time. <laughs> I think so, or, or ADD for that matter, because yeah. you know we, we got to keep talking about that stuff too. At the time when you started... Personal finance was was uh, much more hidden from the mainstream, you know, in terms of the robos weren't around yet. Uh, nobody talked about fees. People are probably still paying for their bank accounts, that kind of stuff, right? I think that's just sort of the rise of the internet, um, like mm. you said with the robos, but it, but even other banks, like uh, some of the but the more online based banks, they didn't exist. And, and you're right. So you you had the five traditional banks. You, you paid your fees because you didn't have anywhere else to go. You went to your bank to get your credit card. You went to your bank to get your mutual funds. There was there wasn't mm. for a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of shopping around. Like it, it, you weren't necessarily finding the best credit card. Uh, you you certainly weren't getting the best investment advice. <laughs> I I don't mean to be mean about it, but sometimes uh, if, if you're in a bank and you're you're selling mutual funds, well, it, it's not much different than selling a car or something. Like you're you're getting a commission. You're not it's not really the the client's interests at heart. Yeah, this um, is a, this is a good uh, time to do our standard uh, a PSA in the in the show about uh, how banks are not your friends <laughs> and <laughs> how they are businesses and how they are selling products. So for sure, you know they may be trying to help you. Absolutely, there's some great people in banks. But just don't assume that they're not also trying to make money, right? That's just the one thing that we tend to forget, I think. Exactly. And and like any place you go to for a service, you're going to have people that that care more about you than others. That's right. Um, yeah, good point. So so, so you, you can get you can get a good person that's actually going to find you the best mutual fund, say. But th- there's still always that thing, even for the best person. Like if if it came down to two mutual funds that might be legitimately good for you, at least good in the world of mutual funds. <laughs> the, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> good is a uh, relative term, yeah. Yeah, but if, if there's two and it comes down to that coin flip, it's like, well, commissions is probably going to be in the back of their head, even if they're trying to fight that urge. <laughs> it's, it's still this this idea that how, how are you going to choose when it comes down to it? And and if they're, if they're income, like they're there as a job, they're not there of the goodness of their hearts. They're there to make money ultimately. So, yeah. so a commission-based model is a bit of a problem. Well, and, and honestly, I don't I don't mind that if if they if they got down to two equally great products for me, if they really were great products for me, and one of them made more money for that person, and it didn't affect me, and it didn't affect my returns, then yeah, please, I want you to make money too, because we all need to make yeah. money. But yeah, th- for sure, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just uh, it's a very isolated I, I guess I shouldn't have said that they were exactly the same, but maybe, maybe yeah. they were close <laughs> enough. I, if it, if it got really close, though, it's, it's like I, I wouldn't want the only deciding factor, the to remaining deciding factor, to be yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, how are your personal finances doing then at this point? You're you're blogging about this. You're writing it for you, but also for others. Are you just like making big changes? Yes, in my life, I was making a lot of big changes. Yeah, so, yeah. so I started the blog months after we got married. And it didn't take long for us also to find out we were then expecting a, a child on the way. Okay, so <laughs> newly married child. And, and you're, are you writing about this stuff or, or more general stuff? Well, this is just as I was starting the blog. So, so it was coming, but uh, yeah, okay, we, we found out the child was on the way. And then I started the blog. Um, and then one more big life change is that we went and bought a house. We, we were in a little townhouse before, so it's not like it was our first time at home ownership, but it was, it was our our bigger jump into home ownership okay. um, to, to get a, a real house with not attached to anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> so these were three big things between the, the marriage, child on the way, and, and we're in a new house. And this is while I was reading everything. I had just started the blog. So, so it was all kind of happening at the same time. Three of your biggest life events 
at, at the same time I was I was starting the blog. Uh, so so it all kind of came together. We still had debt. As I said, it was always this constant cycle of paying it off. So it never got huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we did have a little bump from uh, from the wedding. We didn't have a crazy wedding. I think we saved money on every single thing we did. I was quite proud of that. Like uh, we, we never paid full price for anything, but it still doesn't make it cheap because oh. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a discount on things. But unfortunately, it's still money out of your bank account. It's, it's not real saving. It's still the most expensive party that you're ever going to put on. Exactly, and it was a good party, but uh, it's, yeah. uh, it, it did increase our debt above twenty thousand, I think. So you're you have all this new stuff, and you have this is consumer debt. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, everything from uh, I may have had a partial car loan at that time. Yeah, uh, I might be mixing my time frames up a little, but I think I had a partial car loan. I, I we had the the wedding debt. Some of it was helped by by family members uh, helping to pay for the wedding, but but we still took on a lot of that. Say, say it was just over twenty thousand. So then we went into hardcore debt repayment. Every every dollar we could, we would put towards the debt. I guess in a way we always were doing that because we were doing that cycle thing where you, you pay off the debt and then you spend it again. But then, yeah, then um, you realize you need money and you don't yeah, have yeah. it. So, so I think the real, it, it wasn't just that we were putting every dollar towards debt because we were, we were always doing that technically. Um, it was that we changed our spending a lot so that we were no longer adding to the debt as we were paying it down. You, you started um, spending less than you were making, I guess. Uh, once yeah. the debt was paid off. Yeah, I, I got really big into frugality, uh, mm. trying to cut every possible expense I could, different ways to save on different utilities or uh, canceling things completely. Just just trying to, to cut back those expenses, how to save money on groceries, like any anything that... And and you could see it in the blog at the time. It was almost turning into a frugality blog. <laughs> so yeah, all I sure. wanted to write about was... Uh, <laughs> D- different ways to save money and and that that's completely where my focus was for a while yeah because i i guess you know today you might have the option of side hustle and maybe even then you you would have had the option of side hustle but those are the two options right frugality or make more money i'm leaning more towards making money now like the, yeah, this blogging today, thing's worked yeah. out <laughs> it's um, worked out pretty it, well for a, you i think yeah but it was a bit of a, a fluke again I, I was in it early. Uh, it was started as a hobby. My 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 biggest business goal for the blog actually was uh, I had read a book. I can't remember. It's by Evelyn Jacks. It's it's a tax book. It, it it was written with this idea of one of the best ways to save on taxes is to start a business. Yeah. So so in my head, I was like, well, as long as I'm entering this as a business, even if I don't really make money, I'm going to get these tax deductions. <laughs> and, and again, I was just thinking, how can I save money all the time? So. That that was like my only goal, business wise, with the blog was okay. like, well, at least I'll get some tax deductions. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, probably, which means you're not making any money. And yeah, yeah. Do you know how long? How long does a CRA allow that to to go on? Do you know? I, I think I have in my head somewhere between two and five years. Like I, I don't, I don't think it's a, a hardcore deadline where it's no. like you go two years, then you uh, you need to make money, but. But I think they start looking at it. I would also assume, though, that they're they're probably looking for bigger issues. Like like my sure. my expenses were always really low. I think it was making money in the second year anyway, so I never encountered that. But uh, okay, the, the idea certainly wasn't to make money. <laughs> I didn't know you could really, honestly. Yeah. So um, well, so you're finding this out. So do you remember the first time you made money from the blog? It took about six months of having AdSense ads on. So Google AdSense. Uh, yeah, the Google ads, the, the blocks everybody sees on websites mm-hmm. with, with different little ads. It took six months to make the first $100 payout. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't even that I made $100 in a month. It's no. that I made $100 over six months just and happened in. to make that payout. So that was the, was that the primary way or one of the few ways to make money at the time online? It's the only way I knew of. Um, yeah. Nowadays, it, it's almost gone the the other direction everybody's talking about how to make money blogging and it's uh it you'll you'll find all sorts of people with blog posts about how they're they're making a hundred thousand dollars a month and it's obviously it's it's doable but it wasn't something that uh existed back then that wasn't information <laughs> that was no. out there so i didn't know a lot of stuff i didn't know about uh uh different arrangements you can make with companies directly and stuff and it, it to me it was just you start a blog and you and you put your your uh, AdSense code on there and and that's that's the money you'll make. 
but there certainly are better ways to make money as long as you keep it honest and legit. Like uh, you can promote products and everything. There certainly should be things that you are willing to back up what you're saying. Like uh, either you're using them or at least you would use them. Yeah. Um, Red rub products, you you can get into a real shady area there where if you just like the mutual fund salesman, (laughs) if you're, if you're, if you're promoting something based on a commission, then, then that's, that's the problem. Your own, uh, morals aside like it's it's just if you're promoting something you believe in it it just comes off so much more natural and and proper anyways like why would you want to promote something that that you never used or at least never would use um i i've i've promoted products where i say robo advisors i i've reviewed i think five different robo advisors mm-hmm. i don't use all five <laughs> but but yeah. i I've, I've given honest reviews of all of them so that I, I i don't i wouldn't uh I wouldn't give a a glowing review of a payday loan company or something like that. Like, yeah, or, yeah, that's or, or even a bad credit card. Like, a, there's uh, you got to do it as if, at the very least, as as if it was something that you were that you were interested in. You you, you can't promote something that you, you started wouldn't be able to back up because there's so much traffic on the internet, right? There's so many choices for people to go and read. Trust is uh, would you say trust is one of the most important things or integrity? Yeah, I think so. If if you want anyone to keep following you, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, uh, I, I think if you're writing about something and recommending something and it's not it's not genuine, I think people see through that. I hope so. <laughs> More often than not, that they they can uh, they they can kind of see through that and that it's not it's not keeping their interests in mind. But I'm sure, like you've written so many things over the years, I'm sure there's always somebody out there that doesn't like what you've put on the site. Yeah, credit cards is a great one. It's always like, how how can you, how can you recommend people get into debt? And, and, and like I was just saying, mm, like yeah. I'm not I'm not recommending the debt. I, I guess you got to know yourself too, though. Like it's if if you're someone that's not going to be able to pay off that credit card, then yeah, you should not get a credit card. I think people just see the surface sometimes. They don't see the content that we're actually writing about. Yeah, and I, I like the. The analogy to to a tool, and it's, it's a quote that I'll just butcher right now, is, is the idea that uh, it's like any tool. Like you, you can have a hammer or a saw that can be really useful, or you could really hurt yourself with it. It's mm. it's no different with with a credit card. It's it's not the credit card. It's the person. <laughs> so you have to you have to know how you uh, can handle that or not. That's such and, a great analogy. Like if I had a, an ad for like the best hammer in the world on the site, so I'm gonna be like, why yeah. would you advertise that? I could take that and, and uh, hit my hand with it and break it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we could be sitting here talking about how and instead I was bad in college with credit cards, maybe I hit my thumb <laughs> with a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it doesn't so it doesn't change because you're right. It, it, it's all about proper uh, use. So just you know, yeah. people have to look at context, don't they? I think yeah, I for think sure. That's it's, important. it's a tool that is for adults that can handle the tool. Yeah, I really like that. It's not mine. I did steal it from somewhere, but no, I, I'm sure. And we, I'm sure we I've steal totally everything from everywhere, it, but. right? But <laughs> yeah. I do like that you, uh, you know, had the mind to bring it up, and it was applicable in this case. So, <laughs> original words by Tom Drake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, you make a hundred bucks in the first six months, but mm-hmm. when does it? When does it actually, when, when would you say like success? I mean, that's a very relative term, but in terms of you at the time, you would have deemed the blog successful or, or the traffic popular enough to not replacement income yet, but maybe a nice supplement. I think about three years in. Three years, is, eh? Okay. Is when we really made the decision where it was getting, I, I wouldn't call it a full-time income, but it was it was enough that allowed my wife to stay home. Okay, because um, wow. when when we had our first kid, the idea was she'd do the one year maternity leave, go back to work. He, he was a difficult baby. He didn't want to sleep like he, you'd have to rock him for two hours just to get him to sleep or okay. more. Uh, <laughs> and so so there, there was he just needed a lot of attention. And and the more we looked at it, it's like, well, if you go back to work, you're only going to make so much, and then there's daycare you're going to just barely break even. Um, so, so we decided to have her stay at home and, and that, uh, that, that's where I first felt some success. Cause it was, it was like, it was a small full-time income, maybe if you're full-time minimum wage income or something like that. Okay. Um, certainly allowed my wife to not go back to work. And, and then we had a second kid two years after the first. And, um, 
it was almost impossible to do the math that that her working in the same kind of job she was working in plus the daycare on two children it, it just wasn't it, it didn't make any financial sense for us at all um and and thankfully the the blog was was supplementing that so we could make that decision because it's not an easy decision to make nowadays at all are you writing like consistently four times a week or, or like what what's the schedule at this point after three years i did four times a week for the first four years probably and and then i i heard uh a talk by uh, Derek Halpern at FinCon one year. And um, I don't think it was the point of the talk, but he was talking more about spending more time marketing and less time just making content all the time. And somewhere in my head, speaking of coming up with your own version of things, I heard I should blog less. (laughs) So (laughs) you hear what you want to hear, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so um, I I, uh, cut back quite a bit and I I should say, even when I was doing four posts a week, it wasn't always me. Um, I, I had different staff writers on at the time. Uh, a, a lot of the bloggers that would kind of be the next up and comers, uh, like Rob at Boomer and Echo and uh, Kyle at Young and Thrifty, Jimmy at Retire Happy. They, they were all uh, they were all staff writers for for at the time Canadian Finance Blog um, as they were sort of starting their sites and 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 getting some traction. But uh, so so we were doing four posts a week, but it wasn't all me. So at a certain point, you you were able to redirect some of the money to hire people as opposed to all doing it yourself. But you're working nine to five, probably, right? Yeah, eight to four, but same, same effect. Yeah. yeah. So eight to eight to four, <laughs> Monday to Friday, and then doing this in the evenings and weekends. Yeah, yeah, that's never changed for me. Ten years of this, it's um, yeah, it's basically I I, I work during the day. I have family time after work, and once the kids go to sleep. It's it's get into the business and uh, that that, that's really never changed. Um, I've cut back a lot. I I try to keep my weekends completely free um, because because again, family time. Basically, if if I'm at home and the kids are awake, I I want to spend time with them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, of course. But so so I I try to do as much as I can in the the evenings, uh, Monday to Friday, basically. Wow. And, And and the weekends, evenings in general. And this in terms of your budget at this time. You're talking about the blog plus your full-time income is enabling you to, you know, save for retirement and build the emergency fund and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I don't want to make the blog sound like it's just this magical thing because it, <laughs> it's not. It, it, I know it's it's really a tough business plan to follow. In in my case, at least, I like to call it yeah, the overnight success that took a decade. But yeah, uh, that's it. it. It certainly helped in my case, but it, it could be anything else. Maybe maybe someone's been driving for Uber for years or something. Yeah. Like it's 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 just this idea that you can do something else. I don't think anyone should just rely on their one job at their career, and it, and if that job is making them work 60 plus hours a week, there, there's a problem there because they're, they're so tied to that job and they don't have any spare time then to do something else on the side. So just explore, do some investigation to see what that might be for you. It may or may not be a blog it might or a podcast. It might not be anything online, but yeah, like Uber, like I'm driving Uber in the morning now. And All right. yeah, did, did I not tell you? I don't think so, no. Yeah, no, I started in September. Nice. Yeah, I do a couple of hours in the morning before everybody wakes up. It's great, right? It's just a, <laughs> it's more of a social thing than anything and just a way to you know pick up a little bit of extra money. But I just thought I'd try it. Like, that's what I think. I think you should try it. Like, I won't be able to keep driving Uber when the baby comes in January, right? Yep. It, it actually, when this airs, I think the baby uh, might already have uh, come, right? I think this is probably February. So <laughs> there you go. If, if I'm not mistaken, it could be March. Wow. So, uh, you know, nice March weather out there. Yeah, but I, I think everyone should just, if you, don't be afraid, right? Don't, like, you know, you could have just stayed in your, your job uh, and learned about personal finance and kind of made changes that way. You didn't need to write about them and you definitely weren't looking at, at money, but when you noticed the money come in, did you ever think of stopping the blog? No, just the way I entered it worked well. Entering it as a hobby with no expectations, mm-hmm. everything everything is looking up from there. <laughs> it's, uh, there was never really a point where I thought like I don't want to do this. Um, uh, it's it's kind of become a big part of me. Like uh, I, I identify more as as a personal finance writer than I would my career. Like so many people say their 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 career title after yeah. they introduce themselves and it's the commas right i'm this yeah, comma 
Whatever. Yeah, is is that really how you want to identify yourself at some corporate job that could get rid of you any day now? <laughs> it's uh That's a really it, good I, point. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, a fan of that. Like I could have I could have taken this extra time. Sure, I had this this drive to spend these evenings on my blog. I could have put that into my career. I had a couple managers push me saying I should get my designation being in finance. They're like, sure. get your designation and we, then you could be a manager and, and work your way up like that. And none of that interested me because I was already going on the blog as well. But I pretty much stopped any kind of courses through work or anything once I had kids. It, it just changed my mindset. I, I used to go on all these different courses and I thought it was so great that my company would pay to for, for me to travel and take the course and kind of improve my resume that way. It was kind of that corporate ladder climbing kind of thing. Mm. And uh, once I had a kid and I was starting the blog, I just, I, I was happy to just maintain. It's like, I'll, I'll keep doing a great job at what I do, but I'm not, I'm not looking for the big promotion or, or, or getting my designation or anything like that. It, it could have worked out. It would have been fine. Like uh, I could have used that extra time and, and drive to, to do those kind of things. And I'd make more at my day job and, and maybe that would work out. Um, maybe the blog wouldn't have worked out and then I would have felt like I wasted my time, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's just a, a different kind of priority. But, uh, I think no matter who you are in a career, just a, a full-time career, I, I think you, there's a bit of risk there. I've seen, I've seen way too many, uh, reorganizations in companies and people being let go, especially if you have over 30 years, uh, experience. I think it's, uh, it, it just feels real risky to me to not sort of have something else going on. You have to be honest with yourself you know, like you were and saying, you know, that, that doesn't really, even though that's a path everybody thinks is the right path for me or, or that, that seems like, uh, the way that I should be going. Cause this is my everyday job. You know, I'm going to focus on this other thing and we'll see how that goes because I'm fine for now. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to make money, but that wasn't the main point. I think, I think you just have to, you you have to explore what it is that you want as opposed to trying to follow some kind of checklist or path, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, in general, no matter what someone decides to do, I, I, I got to think that having your own business has way more upside potential than anything you could do in your career. It, it doesn't matter what kind of raise you get that you don't even have much control over. Um, yeah. I, I was just talking... Uh, to, to Rob Engen actually on, on my podcast. And, and we were talking about how we were both getting sort of raises that weren't even keeping up with inflation. So really you're not even, you're, you're going backwards at that point. You have no control, right? You, you, you're not in control. Uh, I mean, this is going to sound big, but you're not in control of your destiny, right? And, yeah, and for sure. <laughs> shouldn't we all have control of that at least, or a little bit of it? Like, you know, you, you would probably be uh, absolutely, um, you know, manageable, if not totally okay, if, you know, you got fired from your, your day job right now. Am I wrong? Exactly. Um, like, like I said, I've, I've gone through more reorgs than most people go through in their entire career. And you survived. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I never had a concern because, because I, I do have this, this business, um, that's, that's doing just as good as my career. And it's, it, it's something to fall back on. It's, it's, would it make things tighter? Sure, because my wife doesn't work. Yeah, she does a bit of uh, makeup and eyebrows at, at home on the side. Okay, but uh, it's it's not a full time income. So so we would go from sort of me making dual income to me making a single income, and 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 yeah, that's that's tighter. But it it, it would work, and and maybe the business would likely do better. Well, <laughs> if, how if how I was much at more home time would you have so. as well, exactly. right? To to then be able to explore. What else you could do with your time? You know, double down on, on what you're doing. There's also the lifestyle benefit of that too. If uh, if I was just doing one thing, then then it would free up more time for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 been quite a grind doing <laughs> a, a decade of of uh, working day and night, literally. So yeah, not everybody uh, has that ability like like you have. So I mean, that's another thing to to recognize is. You know, not not everybody's able to to uh, write four posts a week, or even like you just happen to have all of this ability in your head to write that out, like or just to to push out the content, and mm. uh, that's like you know that's pretty amazing. Uh, not everybody can do that. There are people who can, and there are some people who can't. So like you know, don't think you can just go and start a blog. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. But I also think there's there's people in the middle that can, but think they can't. 
Okay, and, and okay. The, the, they'll, they'll sit around and I, I agree that there's some people that can't, but there's people that just want their me time. They want to they want to sit in front of the TV all evening and, and watch TV and, and hang out with their spouse. And that's, that's totally fine. But if you're also complaining that you never have money and you can't do anything, then you, you have to kind of make that decision of maybe I should be doing something to, to earn a little money on the side, just trying things out, experimenting a little. There's, there's so many options to make money now. Uh, thanks to the internet, there's a, service for everything we mentioned driving uber but you could be renting out a room in your house um walking dogs with something like rover like there's there's all these options now that that didn't exist before so (laughs) there's there's many different ways that people could try out and see what works for them yeah so you know i guess the two things are you know in your early days frugality was key right and just analyzing and looking at what it is you're doing, why is the money flowing out faster than it's flowing in? And then as the years go on, uh, figure out what else you can do to make money as well. If you, if you do those, it's like the golden uh, ticket, right? If you have both of those things at work, the frugality plus side hustle, then I think you're going to be fine. And, and there's one thing I, I think I got backwards with that is um, my focus on frugality unfortunately there there's a limitation to that you can only cut yeah, so much right. <laughs> I, I i wish i had caught on more about the ability to make more money um mm, yeah. e- even when the blog was in its infancy i could have been i don't know delivering pizzas or something like there's there's <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff i could have been doing that probably would have had a better effect or bigger effect than setting my thermostat a degree cooler yeah <laughs> that's a good point or just doing a bunch of research as to how how much that money might save you yeah exactly time. so so I, I think i think I, I or i know i wish i had a a better focus on on making money earlier on just because i've seen that in a way and i know it's sounds a little dismissive but you can really make as much money as as you want <laughs> you have to find the way to do that but there's no limit to that where you yeah. can only cut back your expenses to a to a certain degree exactly it's technically true you're only limited by your ability to go out there and do stuff or or figure out how to do stuff and uh, yep. you just got to go explore right and and uh you you know i'm glad that you did that early because you're you're uh i mean you're like the godfather of a canadian personal finance <laughs> or the god, <laughs> un- god uncle is that a I, thing? i've heard i've heard godfather quite a few times <laughs> i think uh i think kyle prevo started that one but uh <laughs> it, it, it seems to be something that that keeps coming up <laughs> well it's you know i think it's a appropriate and uh complimentary title uh, oh, <laughs> and that you know you sort of set the set the pace or set the uh stage for the rest of us to be able to you know in specifically a canadian space too which is which is nice and uh, so I think after an hour is when we actually mentioned the name of your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I did mention earlier it was uh, Canadian Finance Blog for a long time. It was, but, though. Yeah. But uh, I rebranded a year and a half ago now um, to, to Maple Money, just trying to get a, a better branding, trying to look a little more like a, a, a real big boy publication. <laughs> <laughs> so You're all grown uh, up now, Tom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't like the word blog, even though we talked half this t- interview about blogging. Um, I, I think the word blog maybe sounds, uh, I think some people look at blogging in, in a negative way. Hmm. And um, it, it's certainly not, I don't mind using the word blogger and all that. It's. Uh, I just didn't want it as part of my site. It's part title of your site, yeah, your domain. Uh, yeah, at some point that was going to become a problem, I think, where, where people just look at it like a like the, the hobby connotation. Like sure. if you've ever talked to someone and said yep, you do blogging, yeah half the conversations are probably like, you make money doing that? Is that a real thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what comes up. I like to say podcaster, which you are now as well, the Maple Money podcast, right? Yeah, Maple Money Show is... Uh, Maple Money Show, perfect. Yeah, it's... Uh, I've already had you on as a guest, and That's I'm sure right. I'll have you again in the future. Um, it, uh, it's been an interesting new new venture. It's, it's the, It kind of feels like the first new thing I've done since blogging um thankfully i have the blog i can kind of lean on to make that work out well but uh it um it it definitely it gives me that new feeling like i had back when i started the blog well that's good and and you you know so many people from the the personal finance world in north america and so uh yeah another another place to tell their stories and and to 
to you know share their wisdom right which is like everybody has a little bit of a tidbit of a different thing to to add right and like i said back at the beginning with uh why i started blogging it's it, everybody's got a a slightly different angle on things you you, you take in all these sources and you, you kind of sum them up differently in, in your own head and then maybe you can become a blogger too which i you know people are doing every day and i definitely encourage it just you know be realistic and don't think that you're going to be a, a millionaire off the bat. All right. Well, thanks so much, Tom, for uh, coming on the show and telling your story. Maplemoney.com or .ca? Yep. Both. Dot .com. Okay. Dot .com. The Maple Money Show. Just look it up on a, any podcast app or on, on Google. You'll find it. All right. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thanks for having me on. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave me a five-star rating, a review, or both. If you're already a subscriber, you're awesome. Please join my Facebook group so I can thank you personally. To find the group, go to Facebook and search for The Personal Finance Show. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Personal Finance Show. I'll be back next week with anonymous personal finance blogger, The Looney Doctor. 